There are two kinds of people in business today, the quick and the dead. So rather than waste your time this semester with a lot of useless theories, we're going to jump right in with both feet and create a fictional company from the ground up. We'll construct our physical plant. We'll set up an efficient administrative and executive structure. Then we'll manufacture our product and market it. I think you'll find it very interesting and a lot of fun. So let's start by looking at construction costs of our new factory. Uh, what's the product? That is immaterial for the purposes of our discussion here. But if it makes you happy, let's say we're making tape recorders. Tape recorders? Are you kidding? The Japs will kill us on a labor course. OK, fine. Then let's just say they're widgets. What's a widget? It's a fictional product. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Tell that to the bank, take you know. Take it easy. Take it easy. It's the first thing, you know. On the board, you will see a cost analysis for construction of a 30,000 square foot facility, which will encompass both factory and office space and is fully serviced by all utilities, a railroad spur line and a four-bay shipping dock. Hold on, hold on. Why build? Hey, you're better off leasing at a buck and a quarter, a buck and a half a square foot. Take your down payment and put it into CDs or something else you can roll over every couple of months. Thank you, Mr. Mellon. But we'll be concentrating on finance a little later in the term. For the time being, let's just concentrate on the construction figures, shall we? You will see the final bottom line requires the factoring in of not just the material and construction costs, but also the architect's fees and the costs of land servicing. Oh, you left out a bunch of stuff. Oh, really? Like what, for instance? Well, first of all, you're going to have to grease the local politicians for the sudden zoning problems that always come up. Then there's the kickbacks to the carpenters. And if you plan on using any cement in this building, I'm sure the team should like to have a little chat with you. And that'll cost you. Oh, and don't forget a little something for the building inspectors. Then there's a long-term cost, such as waste disposal. I don't know if you're familiar with who runs that business, but I assure you it's not the Boy Scouts. That'll be quite enough, Mr. Mellon. Maybe bribes and kickbacks and mafia payoffs are how you do business. But they are not part of the legitimate business world. And they're certainly not part of anything I'm teaching in this class. Do I make myself clear? Sorry, just trying to help, that's all. Now, notwithstanding Mr. Mellon's input, the next question for us is where to build our factory. How about Fantasyland? <laughs> <laughs> And welcome to another edition of The Nightfly with your pal, Dave Juskow. The end of July, the end of July 2018. A horrible summer it's been, at least here on the East Coast. No, everywhere with rain and heat and fire, volcanoes and hell. The apocalypse arriving with duck boats crashing. Going into water, killing people. Duck boats. Duck boats. What? Why would you put a... You know, I mean, seriously. Why would you drive a bus into a lake and think that's a good idea? 
I feel horrible for the people that died, but it's... What, you know, and, and then if the water's choppy, what are you riding a bus in the middle of a river for? I don't know. It uh, seems kind of like a no-brainer. Anyway, let's not open on that note. <laughs> Woohoo! Hey, hey! How are you? It's Krusty! <laughs> yeah, it's me with another solo podcast. The way Jessica Pilot's mom likes it. Hey now. Well, I hope you like our last two podcasts. Uh, the one, uh, well, we had the one with my uh, niece last week, and then the one before that with Violet Ramus, Harold Ramus's daughter. Um, she's uh, not the the greatest, you know, conversationalist we've ever had on the show, but uh, a, a delightful person nonetheless. And uh, you know, basically, I mean. Um, I'm not sure what her plan is for her book or anything. I, I don't. I don't think she'll go on many talk shows in the sense she's not very vocal. Uh, <laughs> it was tough to get a couple of things out of her, I guess. But uh, that's not why she was here. She was here for our benefit, for you and me who worship her dad to say, "Hey, we love your dad. Your dad meant a lot to us, and thank you for being out of his loins." I mean, really, what else can you say? I mean, she was a very nice person, and her dad was just the shit. There's no other way to put it. I mean, he really was the shit. He, he's the reason we do this podcast. He's the reason you guys listen to this podcast, because we've all been bought up. I mean, most of the people who listen to this podcast are, you know, maybe over their 40s for sure. And, I mean, he's the reason we like comedy. Harold Ramis is the reason. He's the reason we're all together today. I mean, we've talked about him enough recently, but I'm just saying he is definitely the reason. I mean, think about it. I mean, if you're talking about me and SCTV, and if he was the first head writer and technical creator of SCTV, okay, then that's the reason I'm here. But then if you're talking about, um, you know, why we all like comedy and the kind of comedies we like and the kind of comedies they made based on the stuff that we like, which is Animal House and Caddyshack and Ghostbusters and Stripes, well, then, my, my goodness, yeah, he's kind of the man, huh? I mean, it's rather fascinating uh, how much he got accomplished in really, uh, unfortunately, such a short time. And probably just, you know, I mean, you're never going to get somebody like Woody Allen who's going to make a movie a year. I mean, when he goes, we're going to say, wow, in the sense of, Jesus, one movie a year, lots of clinkers. I mean, if you, again, when we're talking about Harold, no, I, I can call him Harold now because, you know, I'm friends with his, I'm in the family. Um, you know, if we're talking about Harold, if we're talking about HR, then the thing is, um, no, if we're if we're talking about him, it's like when I said, oh, I don't care for Club Paradise or I didn't care for Multiplicity. You know, those are maybe, you know, and or Bedazzled, right? So there's three movies in a row I didn't, not in the row that I mentioned, they're not in a row, that I didn't care for. Uh, but, you know, and it's funny, but you're talking about somebody like Woody Allen, which we could probably route off 10 movies we didn't like of his because he makes a lot of clunkers because, you know, he just makes one a year, regardless of whether you like it or not. But then in that mix, there is just masterpiece brilliance. And, um, you know, no matter how much uh, this turns out where everybody's uh, can't wait to jump to conclusions about, uh, you know, theories and, and when there's no proof or evidence of anything... And and hopefully this will pan out the right way and he will be Woody Allen I'm talking about now will be heralded as, you know, the great person he should be heralded as. 
with you know one flaw in marrying a stepdaughter. But I mean, Jesus Christ, if internet porn has taught us anything, it seems to be absolutely okay. I mean, seriously, if you think about what a genius Woody Allen is, Woody Allen was doing that before it became a sensation on internet porn. As disgusting and taboo as it may be, it is a phenomenon. Now, it's supposed to be a joke. I mean, in internet porn, they say, you know, this is just where they used to, for a long period of time, they said, hey, they used to have two, the few people like, hey, we're actors, whatever. But now nobody cares. We know they're actors. We know they're not actually mother and son or, or father and daughter, whatever the case may be. But uh, we don't care. And it's the most popular thing in porn since porn. And here Woody Allen just, you know, he kind of took it a step further. It's a little odd, but the man is a genius. And a lot of times we let geniuses get away with things that perhaps they shouldn't, like Roman Polanski and stuff like that. But the fact of the matter is, huh? I mean, do I make this comparison? I mean, <laughs> can you not call Hitler a genius? I mean, you can't. You have to. The man is the most despicable person maybe that ever lived. But you I was even talking about my mother with that. I mean, my mother, who hates Hitler, like most people, you cannot deny his brilliance. And we talk about this awesome. You know, it's something you don't want to talk about. It's something you don't want to discuss. But for Christ's sakes, when you, I mean, I, we, we've talked about this multiple times. And this is just a hilarious way to open a podcast. Everything I've said so far, the duck boat and Hitler, I don't know what the hell's going on. But this is what we're doing today. Maybe because it's a dreary day, even though I'm looking out the window and it seems nice. But um, if, if a man, an ugly man, who might be one of the ugliest people anybody's ever seen, I mean, we don't know what he looks like under that mustache with his hair combed, like if he had hair replacements or anything, you know, we don't know what he would look like. Would he be handsome? Probably not. He's short, he's disgusting and, and vile. But if an ugly man can get, I don't know, I mean, there's probably, I don't know how many people who are in Germany. I mean, we know he killed six million Jews. So how many people in Germany did he get on his side to put that together? It must have been over six million because you can't kill six million if you are only six million, right? So let's say this: if an ugly man can get 20 million people or whatever it was in Germany at the time on his side to say, you know what we got to do? We got to get rid of the, the ugly people. <laughs> that man is a genius. You cannot deny it. It would be like me saying, you know, you know what we really got to do? We got to get rid of all the fat, balding Jews. Um, we have to get all, we have to get rid of all the fat, balding uh, people, because we already did the Jews thing, right? Um, that work at law firms and try to do comedy on the side. We have to get rid of them. Am I right, people? I'm right, right? And then people would be like, oh my God, David, you're so right. And it would be like 40 years later when they're like, hey, it just occurred to me that that son of a, boy, he really took me for a shit. Just go again. I mean, that's the thing. So Woody Allen is a genius. We know Harold Ramis is a genius. He comes off on skate. He will be a genius for now and forever. Putting Animal House and, and and Ghostbusters alone, putting them aside, Groundhog Day is a masterpiece, as we went over two weeks ago. We know this. Anybody that watches it 
it will stand the test of time. It already has. It's 20 years old, maybe 30. It will stand the test of time because that it's, it's a fascinating story and it's a what if. And you know some asshole's going to remake it someday. But it will still stand the test of time because it's a, it's a brilliant movie and it's a movie in which the kind of likes they don't really make anymore and where you really do have to make your own decision. Stuff that I don't care to do. I don't want to make my own decision. I like movies that explain it for me. Uh, but, you know, you really have to make your own decision. Well, how did this happen? Why did this happen? And, and the, as we talked about, the, the thought process to not, hey, let people decide for themselves. Risky call in a comedy. Very risky call. But a classic. But Woody Allen is much more of a genius in the sense of his quantity of greatness. And I'm talking about making a movie like Blue Jasmine only, what, three, four years ago? And that's a great movie. The last one, Wonder Wheel, not good. Uh, I don't know what was in between. Oh, Cafe. I didn't. I never saw it. Uh, Cafe Society. I heard it was very good. You know, but not Blue Jasmine's a, a miracle of movie making in the sense that if you can make Annie Hall and Blue Jasmine in one lifetime, Jesus. But then there's so many others. We can rattle them off. And when he dies, we will. And everybody will. And I really hope this doesn't stain his, you know, whatever his daughter is claiming, which he says is false, and Mia Farrow, who we all know is crazy, says it's true. And then he got this guy, Ronan Farrow, who's very smart. But, uh, you know, I mean, listen, all the smart people we know who complain about Trump all the time, and I think these people are smart. I mean, I really believe Sarah Silverman is a smart person. I think Judd Apatow is a very smart person. I don't think... You can't be that good at comedy and sustain yourself for that much a period of time without being intelligent. There's just no way to do it. Uh, and yet these people, you know, I mean, I get what they're doing with, with Trump. I'm just saying it's the, you know, because I had just read that somebody smashed his star on the walk of Hollywood fame, Donald Trump. And, you know, I just feel like they're not listening. Again, we've talked about this all the time. Donald Trump's crazy. And he's doing some very questionable things. But I just don't think all the nonsense, all this not listening to the other, you know, rest of the country that says, well, we like what he's doing. You know, if you're not listening, how is there going to be any kind of compromise? And those are supposed to be the smart people. You know, Uh, we talk about this all the time. I mean, it's just uh, we need everybody to just kind of relax a little bit. And like I say, use your time more wisely and go find a candidate to take them out. And I don't mean take them out in that way. I mean take them out, win the next election. Use all the time you put into saying Donald Trump this, Donald Trump that, into going to find someone to win, which is only two goddamn years. Let's do that. Let's find somebody who's going to be great. You know, let's find a, a combination of Bill Clinton and Ronald Reagan. My two favorite presidents in the last uh, 30 years. Let's get that. There's got to be somebody out there. I find it very difficult to believe that there's not one good person out there who can somehow keep it in his pants and f- help, not fix the country. We don't really fix the country. It's impossible to fix the country. We're all divided. But there's got to be somebody we all agree on. I mean, there's just got to be somebody. I and mean, we all agree that George Clooney seems like a nice guy. I'm not saying he should run for office. I'm just saying he seems like a nice guy. I think we can all agree you know, I don't think a lot of people hate George Clooney. They might be jealous of George Clooney. But I don't think anybody hates George Clooney. I, 
I mean, I'm sure people, when he fell off his bike, when he got hit by that car, there's probably some people who are like, good, fuck that guy. He's got it too great. He was born handsome. Blah, blah, blah. But I mean, you know, if he was around, we'd be like, oh my God, I just met George Clooney. <laughs> we'd be fooled by his greatness and his, his looks and obviously his charm, which he clearly has because he ain't a great actor. So that's all just charm. You need a guy like that. Somebody who, I mean, technically, why doesn't he run? But then, of course, the people that like Donald Trump would be like, oh, who is this Hollywood guy? Because the Hollywood people are making everything bad. They're the ones that are making things worse. Because the people in middle America are the people who don't have as much privileged lives, you know, are the ones that are happy with the president. So what are we supposed to do? Half the country's poor. Half the country's a little better off. But most of the country is poor. Everywhere outside of New York and Los Angeles, everybody's kind of not doing perfect. So how do you not listen to all those people? I don't know. It's funny, though. You know, Sarah's uh, show on Hulu is interesting because she tries to go to middle America, go to Alabama and go to places like that and tries to bring people over and, and, and say, hey, why don't you come to our side a little bit and see what we're talking about, which is kind of cool. I mean, you really got to hand it to her. She, she's very smart. And she's also in the Dave Juskow birthday spectacular on August 13th at 8 o'clock at the Village Underground. Taking some coffee. Mm. I had diarrhea earlier. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do the podcast. You know, the thing about diarrhea for me is, uh, <laughs> first of all, this is, of course, as you know, how I open a conversation when I'm trying to meet a girl. I can't figure out why I'm not meeting women. Um, I always have diarrhea twice. I always have it once, and then I'm like, oh, thank God, that was out. But then it always comes back, and then it's gone for good. Always takes two. Meanwhile, I'm drinking coffee, because I don't care. I got to drink coffee in the pocket. It's a tradition. It's like now every Monday when I don't have Monday Night Football, I always get two slices of pizza on the way home. I don't eat on Mondays. I have a little something in, uh, for, I have a coffee cake. By the way, Drake's coffee cakes are back. Very exciting. So I have a coffee cake in, in the, like the morning, like around 11 o'clock. Then I got to work at 2 I leave at night. I don't eat anything. I don't have any lunch. And then I have a, a chicken vodka slice and a plain slice and a salad on Monday nights when I get home, which I'm enjoying very much. So it's a tradition. So I look forward to it. So on Wednesdays, I always look forward when I'm taping the, if and when I'm taping the podcast on a Wednesday to having a coffee. Now, as a, you know, that girl left the other place, so I just got a Dunkin' Donuts one. It's delicious. Usually Dunkin' Donuts. That's a good plus. You know, they change their cups. They don't use the styrofoam anymore, which is the reason why I liked Dunkin' Donuts. I loved the styrofoam cup. Now it's just like any other store. I'm looking at it. You know, you got the regular coffee cup and that stupid uh, coaster you got to put on it to, you know, so it's not hot. Ugh. I miss those styrofoam cups. Apparently, they're not good for the planet. What are you gonna now? You know what? I never should have mentioned the diarrhea. Now I'm feeling it again. But you know what? I'll get over it because it's all stress related anyway. It's in my mind. Well, I'm not sure if that one was. Um, I think I ate a lot yesterday and today. So I think I ate it coming. But anyway, tomorrow I'm taking um, my nephew out for the first time. We're going out to dinner together because he's been uh, studying at this Stella Adler thing. Like I told you, he's 15. So we're going to go out for dinner. Uh, first time ever. See how that goes. You know, he thinks I hate him. And maybe I do. We've talked about it before. I'm a little jealous of his life a little bit, just like my dad was of me. So I'm trying to curtail that because I don't want to be like my dad. But um, it's funny how it works out. I was jealous. 
that uh, you know he might be able to work all of the, that I couldn't work out out and this is what you know this is what parents do I'm not a parent but you know what I'm saying this is what a stage mom does this is my sister is doing it now to him and her kids because she didn't make it as an actress or whatever the hell she was going to be she's the most untalented person I ever met my sister I'm just saying that because I think she listens to the podcast. I'm kidding. She's probably that that'll make her stop her car. What? She's a she's a belter, you know, like Ethel Merman, and she's got the face of Ethel Merman. I'm kidding again. I just know that she listens sometimes, so uh, <laughs> it'd be funny just keep railing on somebody. Speaking of which, somebody who doesn't listen, thank goodness, because um, speaking of Rhoda, my mother, well. Uh, remember I told you my mother's very selfish and it drives me and my sister crazy and she wasn't like this growing up. She's changed once my father died. Became very selfish, um, very, uh, you know, not honest with anyone, let alone herself. Never honest. So we can't really have a conversation with her. And it's bad. And we've tried to explain that to her and she just won't listen. And it's frustrating. So, you know, she's got this boyfriend, Al, and we've been telling her to just, she should have broken up with him years ago because he wanted to get married and she didn't want to get married and she keeps dragging him along, you know. And he's a great guy and he deserves better than our mother. That's right. And um, so finally, he had a, uh, you know, his family, uh, she's been invited to their family functions a lot and his family's great. I mean, they're really nice people. And we, you know, my sister and I feel bad because they get us, just like with the, you know, the blitzers that own the uh, the devils. Uh, but that's just the way we are. But um, but we're embarrassed about our mother because she doesn't treat Al with the proper respect uh, that a nice guy like that should be treated with. And finally, apparently, they went to a function, and the two of the daughters of Al's came out and said to my mother, "Hey." We don't like when you talk about him. You're making fun of him, and he can hear you. And she's like, oh, he can't hear anything. I said, no, he can hear you. And if he can't, we can. And we don't like what you're saying about him. So they were doing it very politely, but they're just saying, hey, we'll take it from here. We don't need your help anymore. Whatever she was, she wasn't even doing any help. They're trying to say, can you leave him alone? Because you're really treating him like shit. And they're trying to be polite about it, and they did it in a very democratic fashion. And um, it's very nice of them, but you know, now me and Beth feel like idiots because they're very nice, very sweet people. And um, you know, my mother just doesn't get it. She just doesn't understand, and it's really frustrating because uh, you know, it's like we want to call them and like, hey, we're sorry. We don't know. We've told her before. Please. Basically, leave them alone. Just because you need company doesn't mean you get to treat somebody like that. And it's so crazy for somebody like me to tell my mother or something like that because I'm an idiot, too. And I'll probably do that when I'm older, too, because I'm an idiot. But I do listen to people. And if they do come and tell me something, I'll listen. And then I say, because I've learned it, I'll say, um, I'm sorry. I'll, I really will try and do better. You know? And I really feel bad about it. But she just doesn't, you know, it's hard. How do you tell somebody who's in their 80s who doesn't listen to anybody else, you know? 
Anyway, with that all being said, uh, let's go back to uh, Sarah Silverman and the uh, birthday show at the Comedy Cellar, the Village Underground, August 13th, my actual birthday, 8 p.m. The lineup, I don't know whether I've mentioned this before, the lineup will be, it will be me, Clemenza, Stracci, no, I, I, now I, oh my God, I can't, you know, I've gotten the Godfather out of my head. No, wait, wait, wait what, is, what does he say? It'll be me, no, he doesn't say Clemenza. <laughs> oh my God, I can't remember. Wait, he said, because he's going to kill, is it, wait, oh, they're going to kill the cop, right, so, it'll be, oh, it'll be me, Solazzo, McCluskey, I'll kill them both. <laughs> Papers might like a story like that. We have people on the press, right, Tom? They might like a story like that. They might. They just might. So you see, Tom, it's not perfect. Anyway, all right. So Sarah Silverman, Gary Goldman, Judy Gold, and Gilbert Gottfried. Now that's a show. Folks, now that is a show. Now, I have heard rumors that Judy and Gilbert might not get along. Makes a hell of a lot of sense, but I'm hoping that's not the case. Might just be a rumor. I don't know if they need, they don't need to spend that much time. They're coming in and out, so it doesn't matter. But right now, I mean, that's set in the sense of it's on the site. That's who I'm selling the tickets with. But there is every opportunity that Judy and Gilbert could punk out because they don't want to do it. And that Sarah might, oh, I'm busy. Who knows? You know. But Gary Goldman we can count on. That's the important thing. So no matter who it is, it'll still be a great show because I'll be able to get somebody. I just need really one of those people. But if I get four of them, now that's a show. That's a quality show. The problem is that I'm still on the show. So that's the issue right now. So the basic problem is is that... uh, I'm still around. That's from Stripes. It's not funny, John. It's not funny. You you hang out till all hours. You listen to your Tito Puente albums till all night. And then, then you come to bed with me. Got to remember that, and I haven't thought about that in such a long time until two weeks ago. Um, anyway, so that's the plan. But I'm thinking about getting an MC so I don't even have to host the show to maybe ask me questions because you know I'm like good on podcasts so maybe that's the way to do it maybe like Rick Chrome or somebody like that to kind of just we can work off each other maybe that's a better way for me since my comedy you know then then I can go into the and I'm doing the air quotes jokes uh, that I have been preparing all this time you know know, my material is questionable and um, and if that works then maybe we can do my 200th podcast the same way you know we'll see because when you're inviting real people and they're not friends because most of my friends are gonna be out of town so they're just real folks that want to laugh i don't know you know i think these are just people that and certainly last time you know with the wid the prop comic people are just buying tickets they don't know me they're just like it's the seller it's got to be great and boy were they disappointed <laughs> but they're giving me one more chance so hopefully it'll work out I have a couple friends there, obviously, which will be great. And, uh, I mean, how can it be a bad night? John Vitti's coming. 
John V from the Boston Globe, who thank God still has a job, because I tell you, the Daily News just dumped a whole bunch of people and cut their sports department from 34 to 9. That's cruel. But And, you know, John Vitti works in the sports department. I'm a little worried about him. I think he has another job, so he doesn't have to totally worry, but it's pretty bad. But I guess the point is, listen, I'm the last person I know that gets print paper. As you know, I get the New York Post delivered every day. And I actually read it every day. And um, I don't know why I chose the Post. I just did. It was more colorful. They have uh, sexier pictures. <laughs> um, but I guess, I, you know, I guess when it comes to sports, that would be the first thing that a print paper wouldn't need because everybody gets their sports scores immediately now i mean you get news the same way but sports doesn't hold over but the thing is though about sports in the newspaper is sometimes you want to read stuff about what somebody has to say but i guess there's so much sports talk and sports this and that you can get right away that i i, I guess it's unnecessary anymore it, it's funny you know for me I do actually go right past the sports page. I mean, I go through it, and if I see something I'm interested in, I'll read it. But, And, you know, I, I love gambling. Speaking of which, you know, I won money down at the track about three weeks ago. I don't know whether I told you. I won about 500 bucks just, you know, with the new sports gambling. I went in. I bet a three-team parlay like I usually do for 50 bucks, paid 300. I put another one in for 25, paid 150. I get my money back. I'm expecting 500 bucks, which I could use. So I was trying to get down there last week, and I can't do it. So far, it was raining. Oh, because you know what happened last weekend? Last weekend was Dory's birthday. So I said, listen, hey, uh, I'll, I'll take you to see that stupid Harry Potter, not the Harry Potter Cursed Child thing, because nobody has $1,600. Because I was saying, I was at Tommy Bahamas, I was telling him, like, yeah, I'm going to see this Harry Potter knockoff thing on Off-Broadway, which is called Puffs, and it's about the kids from the Hufflepuff house that suck. You know, they're known for sucking and all they have is Cedric Diggory in, uh, you know, episode four and he dies. Spoiler alert. And so I said, I'll take take it to see that because the because Tommy Hahn was like, you're taking to see the curse of title. I'm like, yeah, I'm not paying sixteen hundred dollars. Like, well, that's how much it is. I'm like, well, if you go down on eBay, it's about four four hundred dollars a ticket. Let's say it's three to four hundred dollars a ticket. And there's two shows. So you have to buy. So already you're spending eight hundred dollars for one ticket. If you bring somebody else. You're basically paying $1,600 for a show. $1,600 for a show you don't even take home with you. You know, it's in your mind. You can't even sing any tunes the next day. $1,600. And the only person that you take and you spend $1,600 to take to see that show, I figured out the person. The only person you take and you spend the $1,600 on if they want to go is Kate Upton. And right now she's married to somebody else. So I'm just saying, if she said, and you were dating her, you wanted to go, you take Kate Upton. There are other women. You know, you got to take somebody who's Victoria's Secrets, and they can't just say they're Victoria's Secrets. They have to prove it. They're going to have to bring, you know, some footage. Uh, you know, you're going to, you know, or one of the Sports Illustrated, but it's going to have to be somebody we know that's legitimate. And that's where you might spend the 1600 bucks, Or George Clooney, whatever comes first. But really, it would have to be a Kate Upton, Brooklyn Decker, and that's years ago. And Kate Upton is, is now. 
it would have to be somebody like that to actually spend $1,600 where you leave the theater going like, that was totally worth it. That was totally worth it for so many reasons. Let's say Kate Upton doesn't even sleep with you or kiss you goodnight, which would be really the worst thing that could ever happen. However, let's say I'm going to the theater with Kate Upton. That price is going to, that $1,600 is going to be like that, that movie Can't Buy Me Love where the guy pays the cheerleader $1,000 to just be seen with him, to pretend it's his girlfriend. I mean, let's face it. There's going to be publicity. There's going to, people are going to be looking at what the, oh that girl's there with her father. Well, whatever it is, <laughs> and you know I can just I'll be like, can I put my arm around you? So it looks like you know get that, and then you're in good with everybody else. So really, the money really works itself out. There's really no way to lose if you're taking Kate Upton. But it would have to be Kate Upton. I mean, it can't just be a pretty girl. It has to be somebody where everybody's like, oh, my God. Hey, I think that's Kate Upton. Yeah, that's the thing. Because uh, if it's just a really pretty girl, they'll be like, oh, I wonder how much he paid for her. You know what I'm saying? But Kate Upton would be like, well, she doesn't need any money. He must, he must he either produce the play. He's obviously Jewish, so he must produce the play. Or his penis must be just ridiculous. And then when they... Uh, you know, my pants fall off during the play. For some reason, my pants always fall off. They'll be like, oh, he produces the play. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, folks. We'll be here all week. How are you? Anyway, just really quick back to the birthday show. Uh, actually, there's nothing more to say. Just August 13th at the Village Underground. We finally have a show. Speaking of which, again, I went down to the Comedy Cellar Friday. Get this. I was going down to the bar, right? Because this girl that I know at the bar, it was her birthday. So I'm like, well, I'll get her a card. And so I was going to stop by the Comedy Cellar to get a pen. You understand what I'm saying? I was just, I figured I'm not going to buy a pen. I'll stop at the cellar. I'll ask a waiter or a waitress for a pen. And I'll sign the card so it looks like I put work into it. And I'll, I'll give this idiot the card, you know, and she'll be like, oh, you bought me a card and you spent time writing it, you know, because it'll be folded and have her name on it. So I just, I, I'm like, oh, I'll stop by the cellar. It's a brilliant move. It's a brilliant move. I go by the cellar. They're f- that fucking, cr- they're filming crashing again. Nobody can go into the cellar. It's like blocked off. They have it all blocked off. Nobody can, you can't go in. There's no shows. I mean, what are the odds that that's going to happen a third time where I get screwed looking for a pen and they're filming crashing? I can't get a pen because they're filming that damn crashing. When are they going to stop filming this stupid show? Which clearly I'm not going to be in. I mean, it must be over by now. Although now that I think about it, when I did it, I think I filmed it in August. Maybe it'll still happen. Maybe they're waiting for my birthday. It'll be a little gift. Hello? Is this thing on? Anyway, so yeah, we go. uh, So I take Dory to see that Puffs play. Oh, my God. What a bag of shit. I mean, uh, ugh. It sucked. I mean, it's it's all right. It's like, I mean, you really got to love Harry Potter. And the funny thing is, I do love Harry Potter, but not like that. And they're just doing this thing, and the lead guy was gross, and there were a couple of pretty girls that were made it okay, but it's stupid and dumb. And for a while, I was sitting there going, boy, if you don't know Harry Potter, you're just stuck here. They might as well be speaking Yiddish for all I can see what's going on because I have no idea what's happening. I don't know what the hell they're saying. Uh, but it's, it's all right, you know. 
Anyway, so the point was that I said to Dory, hey, if you want to do that on Sunday, we can go because I'm going to go to the track on Saturday. But she goes, no, nah, Dad, they do it Saturday. And I'm like, oh, God, I really hate you. But it's your birthday. And I said, hey, I'll take you to the chicken parm place because it wasn't open Sunday. That's where I messed up. She would have gone on Sunday if I hadn't mentioned the chicken parm place, which didn't open on Sunday, the Isle of Capri. We had to check out the chicken. She's like, I think I'd like to get the chicken parm. I'm like, you know, son of a. So we had to get the chicken parm first, which is even worse because, you know, I hate that getting all full and then sitting in the theater. But I didn't fall asleep this time because I slept all day. And we had the chicken parm the second time I wasn't and I wasn't high this time. So it, you know, wasn't as like, uh, you know, (laughs) but it was still damn good. And Dory agrees. I think she agrees it was the best. I think it's the best we've ever had. So I think she agrees. She was very happy with it. It is a beautiful piece of meat that comes in. It just looks beautiful. The presentation is beautiful. The service there is absolute worst. I mean, they stink. They're so stupid. But they make a damn good chicken parm. But they are really dumb. Like, it's a, I, I, I wanted to get a Coke because they're so thirsty, you know? Like, a, you know, it's a treat having a Coke, right? Even though I didn't want to get filled up. But they have the little bottle, so I get the bo- a Coke, and it was delicious. I'm like, yeah, let me have another one. It takes like 20 minutes. Once the chicken came, I didn't even want to eat the chicken because I wanted the Coke. He's like, yeah, we ran out. I'm like, it's 5.30 in the afternoon. How can you run out? How the hell do you run out of anything at 5.30? I understand running out of Coke at like 10 o'clock at night, 10.30. How do you run out at 5.30 in the afternoon? Yeah, I had to go downstairs. Anyway, listen to this. So, you know, I'm talking to the daughter who owns the place, right? She's probably my age, I guess. Got a 21-year-old kid. I'm sitting there with a goddamn 21-year-old kid, which is my niece, Dory, who was on the podcast last week, who sounds delightful, right? But you know she's got no friends. I'm sitting there with her. She says, oh, my son is downstairs with 15 of his friends. He just turned 21, just like Dory. Goes to High Point, North Carolina, which we actually know Two people who live next door to Dory, who she went to school with, who go to that school. They're so beautiful, the odds are this guy probably knows who it is. Where most people, they go downstairs and be like, oh, you go to High Point? Do you know my friend such and such? She didn't even ask. She didn't even say. When they mention High Point, she never even mentions, oh, my God, my next door neighbors go to High Point. She doesn't even say. It doesn't even occur to her until after. She goes, hey, you know who goes to High Point is uh, Courtney Cotty. What? Why didn't she mention that when we were sitting there? I don't know. That's what you get. I don't know. It's it's frustrating because you just wanted to be a tiny bit social. And there's there's a perfect opportunity to say, oh, I know someone. But she's like, he's probably not going to know. Like, no, that's you. Most people do know each other. Anyway, he had like 15 of his friends that says they all own a chicken parm. So you know if the owner's son is sitting there going, hey, my mom owns this amazing chicken parm place. This chicken parm's got to be pretty damn good. And at least they didn't run out, you know, at 5.30 in the afternoon, they're not going to run out of chicken parm, I guess. They're ready. Oh, they're ready, all right. Chicken parm, everybody. Great stuff. Really terrific stuff. So anyway, uh, I guess two Sundays ago, I went to go see Joan Jett. I think I told you, and I couldn't take uh, my friend Lori from the bar uh, because she can't get off work. Because she dates this guy who doesn't work. 
and she needs the money, and it's a blah, 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 boo, but the boo, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And, um, but she's the reason, uh, well, she's not really the reason at all, actually, that I know this guy, Dougie, who's the lead guitarist for Joan Jett. And I really want to go because I love watching this guy play. I mean, there's nothing more exciting than seeing somebody you know live at a goddamn outdoor concert venue. I mean, it's really exciting. I mean, that's the only reason I might go see the Grateful Dead because I know John Mayer like a little bit. And to see the guy playing, seeing what he does when you hang out and you're drinking with him and you're just at a small club and you're hanging out, you can't imagine this guy is going to command Madison Square Garden in 10 minutes, you know, and then and, and provide entertainment to all these people. I know I have comedy friends that do this, but there's something about playing a musical instrument that's just badass cool. On the flip side, there is something about somebody just talking for an hour and a half doing comedy that's actually kind of cool, too. But I'm not a musician, so I like it the other way. So I finally called my friend David Horowitz and his wife uh, that I know from the Roller Derby, Lady Speedstick, and I asked them because they live right next door to the uh, PNC Bank Center. I asked them if they want to go, which was the right move because I couldn't get a date. And I tried, like Oscar Madison. Mr. Madison, I have killers patiently waiting their turn. <laughs> I had an extra ticket because I couldn't get a date. A little louder, please. I didn't get the answer. I couldn't get a date. Ah. And how hard did you try? <laughs> I tried very hard. How many girls did you call? We didn't hear you, Mr. Madison. Seven. seven, seven, you count seven. Yeah. You Are those the acts of the man who was killed? Don't do that. The blame is Seven, lead story. Come on, will you? I want to take a minute to decide this case, and then I want to take another minute to see if I still want to be a judge. <laughs> How great is that? Well, let me tell you, it actually rings true for me because uh, I, I, I really tried hard to get a date. How hard did you try? I tried very hard. I did. I really wanted to take a girl. I thought it would be fun, and I, I, I couldn't find anybody. It was very embarrassing. So I asked this nice couple. Well, I actually asked David, and then he's like, yeah, my wife and I would love to go. I'm like, well, I didn't, I didn't ask your wife. And then I was able to get three tickets, and everything was fine. I mean, I love her. She's really they're an adorable couple. And I actually know her first, which is kind of funny. Uh, but anyway, they really are nice, uh, great people. And, um, you know, I brought David Horowitz to the uh, Devil's Playoff game because he appreciates it. And they appreciate this. And and I didn't realize his wife um, worships Joan Jett. Of course, it makes sense. She's in the roller derby. It would make sense that she probably likes Joan Jett. Um, but anyway, so we go. And it's, it's great. I mean, these guys are great because I drive to their house. They're like, hey, we'll drive you to the venue because we live next door and we know the secret way in. And I'm like, yeah, already I know I made the right choice. So we go to the concert, and uh, I wasn't sure how it was going to work, so I was like very uptight because I wasn't sure if we were going to meet her or whatever, but I found out later she doesn't, she's tired and doesn't want to do the meet and greet anymore. So we got VIP tickets, and we got really good seats, and uh, we got to go back, but we went to like the VIP area, but it wasn't outside, it was so hot, whatever, blah, 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 because it was Sticks and Joan Jett, and for some reason, they were headlining this time. Usually it was... They play early, so we can go at 3 o'clock. We can hang out, watch them. So, But this time they were headlining. Something got mixed up, or Sticks didn't want to go on last. I don't know. So they went on first, and Joan Jett went on last. And uh, 
And so we were just hanging out, drinking beer, having a good time. The big, tall, uh, you know, Budweiser beers. Or I had a Heineken. It was nice and tall. It was perfect. I had like two of those big ones. I was drunk. Or I was getting drunk. I was buzzed. And um, we're just sitting. We're listening to sticks. We're just hanging around talking. It's a nice night. It's hot, but it's nice. I run into a friend from high school. Um, I won't say his name because he didn't want me to tell anybody. But <laughs> I run into this guy. I haven't seen him in... Oh, I don't know, maybe 30 years. I mean, I really don't think I've seen him since high school. And we ran. It was so nice to see him. He was one of those guys, like, he was in um, a circle of friends that I couldn't really be with. They were they were a little bit preppy. They were smarter. They they were having sex. You know, like, they were, they were normal. They had a normal high school experience. And I liked them very much. And I tried to hang out with them at the end before I went to school. But they were cooler than I was. And, um, you know, I just, I, I don't know. I just didn't really fit in even though I liked them a lot and they seemed to like me too which made me happy and so it was so great to see him I was really happy to see him like really happy I didn't even recognize him at first and then I'm like wait how can you know how it's like you see a guy from high school you're like wait can that be oh yeah it can be and then I'm like oh do you have kids he's like do I have kids they're like 30 you know <laughs> Actually, I've never think of I don't have any kids so I'm like yeah they're probably already finished already whatever <laughs> they're like already out of the house so anyways it turns out this guy goes where do you live he goes well New Jersey and I said that's where my mom lives what do you live in one of those old retirement communities he's like yeah <laughs> like you what he's like yeah we live in an over 50 community I'm like but there's an over 50 because remember my mother lives in an over 55 community and um I'm like what and he goes yeah it's brand new it's brand new but 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 it's it's like I'm sure it's nice but how much does that suck that it's over. I'm, now I can I can move into an, a senior citizen community. What? I didn't expect that. He's the first. He's the. They're going to live there for the next thirty years, maybe forty. Wow. I didn't know what to say. I mean, technically, I probably should move into one of those places. <laughs> I mean, oh my god. That was. Uh, then I got depressed for a while. <laughs> But fortunately, I was buzzed, so I didn't let it bother me until I got home the next night. And I'm like, what? Over 50? So that was a nightmare. Anyway, we finish the uh, the drink. We go to our seats. There's a humongous, disgusting fat person sitting in, so we can't get in. And we're like, move. We're making comments. Maybe you heard us. And, he, and, he's, and he says something to him, a girl, and this other fat guy. And, and they're like, just sit down and shut up. And they're saying, like, I'm sure they weren't talking to us. And then uh, I'm like, oh, um, is this your seat? We're saying to somebody, and she goes, just pick a seat, jerk off, and sit down. They just started in because clearly they weren't in the right seats, but they were making it bad. And they're like, there's plenty of seats. And I'm like, hey, 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 whoa, there's no need for that. Like, just shut up and sit down. This big guy, this huge guy sitting there. And I'm like, but I was buzzed, and I was not backing down. I was in the mood to, I'm like, hey, and I'm like, uh, and, and it's, Apparently, this girl sitting next to him, she's like, just shut up. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, nice language, babe. Like I was doing the 16 Candles bit. And he goes, hey, don't talk to my wife like that. I'm like, well, maybe your wife should learn some manners. And he grabs me by the shirt collar, you know, because he's definitely going to hit me. And I do not back down, but I do not move my arms, but I don't back away. And then David Horowitz comes in and he totally has my back. <laughs> and he says, hey, buddy. You better watch it, because when my wife comes back from the bathroom, she's going to kick your ass, which may be the funniest line of all time. You know, she's in the roller derby. She's really tiny, but I think she really would have kicked his ass, and it would have been awesome. 
but he stopped. I was ready to get punched in the face. I'm like, okay, I think I can handle a punch in the face. I'm not going to move. And everybody was watching because they couldn't believe this was happening at a Joan Jet concert. It's, a, it's an embarrassment. I think that's why that guy just backed off because I'm like, I, I think I even said, are you really going to do this at a Joan Jet concert? And he just stopped. And then I was even talking to the fat guy we got into the argument with because, you know, you're trying to like have a good time and, you know, pass it off. But the the, the, the woman sitting between us, she was just not half. She was, I mean, they were in the wrong seats and then they finally left. But it was awesome because we got into a fight. And Horowitz had my back. And that's the way guys are supposed to be. It was awesome. He wasn't like, hey, Dave, who's the, what's the difference? We're sitting. It was awesome. You know, he wasn't like one of those people like, what's the difference? We'll sit in. I'm like, no, no, fuck this guy. Fuck this guy and his wife. That ain't cool. They didn't have to say it like that. They're like, oh, do you mind if we just stay here until somebody? I'm like, yeah, I don't mind. You know what I mean? Just handle it. We're, we're all over 50. Are you kidding? You're going to start a fight at the Joan Jett concert? You're at Joan Jett and Sticks? So they were obviously idiots because they just they got up right away. Like as soon as the concert day, they were gone. We were ready to get back into it with them, but then we had a we had a great time. I mean, it was so much fun. We were just really having a good time and enjoying the show. And that Dougie was amazing. He really was amazing. You know, he's play, I mean, he's the guy that plays the rings. I love rock and roll. Put another bam bam. You know, I mean, it's just. Um, uh, what's that other? Crimson and Clover. And then he's playing. Ba, da, 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 da. I mean, it's amazing. It really is something else. And then these guys, I like the Horowitzes so much. I was like, hey, do you guys want to go? I love going to the diner after. They're like, yeah, we love the diner. And it's a Sunday night. So a lot of people are, they suck. And they're just like, ah, it's Sunday. But they were like, no, we love it. We know exactly where to go. I love these people. So we went to the diner, had a grilled cheese sandwich. It was beautiful. Then I went back home. And Dougie was at the bar in back in New York City. So I went to the bar and hung out with him for a while, bought him a couple of drinks. And uh, I mean, it was exciting. And he gave me a guitar pick, which I said, you know, this really means a lot to me. I'm putting it in my wallet. Now, in my wallet, I specifically got a new, it's not a wallet, it's a, a card holder. But I specifically got a new one after my old one, you know, disintegrated after having it for so many years. Um... That has a zipper so I can put uh, now five guitar picks in it that mean a lot to me. Five guitar picks that all have meaning. These are the guitar picks I have. This is from uh, memory. I don't have them out. Uh, one is the guy that did the music for my Cars movie, the Turbocharge, Eric Barrio and his band, The Cautions, because he did the music and he's a great guy. Uh, and he's you know a huge Cars fan. He did music for my movie, which our friends at uh, the Night Spots podcast are talking about this week on their podcast. They I gave him a copy of the movie, uh, Dave and Donna. And I finally figured it out. It's called Night Spots, <laughs> and they are uh, doing a. I, I'm excited to listen to what they thought of the movie because you know uh, they were kind enough. They he made a video to the song, which uh, you might be able to see on YouTube. Uh, and, you know, we're still trying to push the movie and Jessica Pilot is helping and, you know, maybe it'll see the light of day as uh, Joan Jett sings uh, with Michael J. Fox in the movie, The Light of Day. Look at the connection we're making. So uh, Eric Barrio uh, from The Cautions, um, a great musician. Number one, Leah Randy, who, um, you know, I went out with uh, a couple times, you know, uh, you know what I'm talking about. 
who used who I uh, got working at, with Hole, and uh, and and she plays in Pink, you know, you know the band, and so that means a lot to me because I love her, and um, uh, the third one is Jeff Ross. Um, uh, is it the burn? I think it was the burn or something. It's a, it's his face on it, and it's um, you know it's really awesome. The fourth one was given to me. From Eddie Van Halen. It's a Van Halen guitar pick from the Balance Store from long ago, what was it, 94? And he handed it to me when I was on the John Stewart show. He handed it to me personally. And those are the four. And now I have Dougie, Dougie Needles from Joan Jett, who handed me the guitar pick. Five really important uh, people in my life that you know gave me these guitar picks personally. Uh, and they mean a lot to me, and it, that's in my wallet that I carry around every day. And I was really excited to have it. Now, when we were at the bar, uh, I was there all night. I didn't get home till seven in the morning. This is a Sunday night, remember? That's how badass cool your pal Dave Jusko is on occasion. <laughs> Otherwise, weekends I usually don't leave. But when I do leave, oh, I make it worthwhile. So I recorded uh, a couple of. Um, you know, I recorded, you know, he was, uh, people always tell me like, oh, when are you going to record it? When are you gonna... So I remembered and it's five in the morning and I recorded some of the bar chat. Um, and you can hear me trying to start trouble uh, between the bartender and her uh, and her boyfriend in many ways. Let's see if we can. Why do you hate um, Dougie so much? Oh my God, I love Dougie so much. He, when he left, he was saying, I don't know what I did to Lori, but we're not coming. As he's grabbing my ass and saying, I love you so much, you're awesome. Did he did grab your ass out of the Yeah, see? What's the matter with you? Why would you even say that? Why I was there. And I got him started. Because I watched when anyone hugs you, and I would have hit him in the face. Dougie loves me. Oh, I would have been in the news. Fucking random white boy knocks the shit out of Joan Jett's guitar. It's funny, I just noticed when she hugged somebody else who were watching. If you don't think I hit Dougie, I know you. You funny. How about that Robert De Niro laugh at the end? First of all, that guy's actually a great guy, but, um, you know, he's loaded. So uh, we're all, you can even hear me, like, kind of like, why did you tell he hated him? I don't even know what I was talking. It was five in the morning. I'm out of conversation at that point. So I'm just trying to start trouble. And uh, yeah, apparently, you know, the guy's watching. He's also the bouncer there sometimes. He wasn't that night. And um, of course, he's watching all the guys uh, say goodbye. I always hug Laurie. And, and it's, uh, um, I mean, he really is a nice guy. I mean, they're, you know, mar- they're getting married. They're fiancés and shit like that. So it's, it's okay. But it's fine. They're both drunk. They don't know what, it, you know, by the next day, everything is forgiven. But um it's just really funny. So then, but you can see they do it to each other. So this is later in the conversation. Uh, she wants me to take her to see Alice Cooper. She doesn't have any money. I'm almost thinking of doing it because as you can see, I can't get any dates. And I love going with her because last we, we went to see Joan Jett together. We had a great time. And nothing's going to happen ever, you know, whatever, even without the boyfriend, whatever. Um, we're just total friends. But, um, but this is what happened when I mentioned the Alice Cooper again. Are we going to Alice? So you're fucking That's the plan, but did you get off? Pull the fucking lights. Richard, pull the lights. Mike can get the lights. Oh, no, they're turning down the lights because they closed the bar. You know, it's like 5.30. They got to, you know, we're not supposed to be in there. Going to Alice? Did you get tickets? I didn't get tickets. Oh, I got you. Thank you. 
I'm really fun at shows. I shake my ass in your face all the time. It's not about my face. Oh my god, I look amazing, right? Yeah. But you're fun at shows. I know, That's but I, I look kind of amazing. We are not bringing down. I, I look kind of amazing. Okay. Uh, all your shit talk, give me a shot. Oh, fuck you. I look kind of amazing. No, no. All your shit talk. Oh, no, We're not talking you. about your I'm just saying, like, did you feel this? Like, like, oh, I'm not allowed oh to talk. Are you crazy <laughs> after what he just <laughs> said? You're going to put my hand on your stomach? With the one character that, like, Are you out of your goddamn mind? See, I'm like, are you crazy? But you can see she's baiting him now, you know, so they do it to each other. It's funny. It, it, he has no ill will towards me, so I, I'm good. If, if it sounded that way, it's not like that. But uh, those are the after hours that you're all missing when you're sleeping. <laughs> and now I would assume most of you. I don't know. I guess you know, I, I don't know what I would think if uh, <laughs> do you feel like you're missing out or you're like, oh, my God, I'm so glad I don't go to the bar scene anymore. Of course, that's not even a bar scene because that's just sick. You know, it's daylight already. It's just crazy people just hanging out with nothing to do. Uh, but, you know, once in a while, it's super fun to just be still drinking at 6 in the morning or whatever and being up all night. And it's, I don't know. You know, it's like when you think when you're a kid, like, well, that would be fun, huh? I guess. Or is that just me? Obviously, I can't do it all the time. But um, I don't know. I know you like the clips when I record it, right? It's exciting. That's real life shit. You can't write that kind of stuff. That guy's so angry. And uh, now let's go from uh, being, uh, you know, super cool to being completely just uh, gay. I don't know. There's no other word for this. I don't know why I was doing this yesterday. I, I, I have this song in my friends. In my friends. I have this song in my head on a daily basis, and I don't know why. what it is yet why it's in my head for the past 50 years i don't know but it is and i thought it was from that show friends not friends that we know but this friends with jill whelan from the love boat that was on for five episodes on abc because i guess i was the right age for it or whatever and that's what i thought it was from but it's not from that i can tell you what it's from because they actually um well here's the Here's what it actually is. Sigmund, you are a rotten sea monster. Sigmund, you're through. Scram, get out of here. That's the TV version. There's nothing like a day out on the beach when all it does is rain. Yeah, 
It's uh, the lovely Johnny Whitaker from uh, Sigmund. That guy was going all the way back to 1973. Here's Johnny Whitaker, Sigmund of the Sea Monsters theme. I mean, Johnny Whitaker was a big singer, you know, back then. That redheaded kid, because he had that. He was doing Tom Sawyer, that movie, which I saw at Radio City Music Hall <laughs> with my sister and Aunt Judy. You remember who was Becky Thatcher in that movie? Do you remember who was Becky Thatcher in that movie with this idiot singing? Fucking Jodie Foster. <laughs> Whatever happened to her? She didn't make it as good as Johnny Whitaker, I think. I wonder if they still talk. Oh, hi, Jody. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just trying to find a place to hold my Oscars. It's weird. Oh, my God. It's weird because that's the song, and that, that song is on his album. But this was the original, like, season one song, which doesn't make... I don't know how they decided to switch. See, this seems more like a Sid and Marty Croft theme. On a very weird beach round dead man's point where there are haunted sea caves, they say. And strange sea monsters have been sighted there. If you're traveling in the area, beware, beware. I'm sitting here just staring at it for some reason. I don't know. I, I was mesmerized listening to this stupid thing. I, just, I don't know why I let it go so long. Sorry about that. I, was, I, was just, I, I think I just dozed off for a second. I mean, it's so stupid, and that's the thing. But here's another take off the Johnny Whitaker solo album uh, that came out, you know, with a big single from Friends. Here's another one from Johnny Whitaker. It's called Day and Night. I think you'll like it. Played that on the radio. I mean, you can't get any of these things. You know, you can't. I mean, you know, <laughs> this kid was so popular when we were little. When I was little, I mean, he was in Family Affair, and then he grew up a little, and then you think he'd be cast aside, but no, he was in movies, he was in TV, he's singing, he's dancing, he's he's working with Jodie Foster. Uh, you know, it's unbelievable. You know, oh, so meanwhile, Sigmund of the Sea Monsters. I looked it up. It's like a brand new show on Amazon, Amazon Prime. They updated it. They updated the theme song, as we like to do on this uh, show. They updated the Friends. Oh. I think the older one is better. 
Oh, that was the other one. I was trying to mix it up, but I'm not good at that. Here, let's see. Oh, yeah. This is the old one. Yeah, this... Oh! Much better. Yeah, this one rocks. A new one from 2016. Stinks, huh? This is the one. There's nothing like a day out on the beach when all it does is rain. Do the original. Big John has a problem, as you can plainly see. One minute he's 40, the next he's 33. Got it right. Big John keeps a changing before your very eyes. He's 23, damn it, 19, 12 years old inside. Big John, little John, what a way to go. Damn it. <laughs> little John, he moves from high to low. I mean, if we're going to sing a Saturday morning theme, I mean, <laughs> come on. It's, you know, you're, I mean, you must have been sitting out there going, when's he going to play Big John? I mean, if he's going to play Friends, Friends, Friends. But for some reason, that stupid song, Friends, is in my head on a daily basis, just like I guess Big John Little John was for a long time until I played it here enough where I finally got it out of my system. But that's stupid friends. 50 goddamn years that song has been in my friends. I couldn't figure out. I said it again. Isn't that weird? It's been in my friends. Um, I couldn't get it out of my head. And I didn't know where it was from. And I really thought it was from this short-lived five-episode show called Friends with Love Boat's Jill Whelan and two other idiots I remember it like it was yesterday. There's, there's one particular episode I saw, and I don't remember how the theme goes, and I can't find it anywhere. It's killing me. And let me say, when, it ki- when it's killing me, it's killing me and no one else on the planet. That's messed up shit. And let's move on, shall we? First of all, a couple things in the news. Two studies that are quite interesting. One about ties. Yeah, neckties. New studies say that a Windsor knot tightened to the point of slight discomfort could interrupt as much as 7.5% of cerebral blood flow. Reduced blood flow to the brain has negative implications for both productivity and creativity and an increase in stroke. I believe that 100%. I can't even tie a tie. My neck is so fat now I can't even tie a tie. I've never been able to tie a tie without getting razor burn. I have to usually shave the night before, but if I shave the night before, then I'm not freshly shaved. So, you know, like I'm going to Rachel's wedding soon. I'm going to have to wear a tie. I look like an idiot in a tie nowadays. I used to look good. But, you you know, when you're even a kid, tying a tie stinks. We got to find out who invented that and decided that was the end all. Now, lots of companies now are laxing. You don't really have to wear a tie. I haven't had to wear a tie to work. In 30 years. But in the 80s, I had to wear a tie to work every day. Every single day. Especially when I worked at Chemical Bank, I worked for the president of the bank, I had to wear a tie every day. But even at a temp job, you had to work a tie, wear a tie every day, at least for the first couple of days until you realize, why are we wearing a tie? But yeah, thank God they most ties went out, but sometimes you still got to wear a tie. But it's, I mean, it's a tie stink. You know, usually now I just wear a jacket and uh, an open shirt because ties are tough and i can i've been looking for a shirt with a big enough neck collar because i think i'm 16 and a half 
But a lot of times I'll buy a 17 because I don't want it to choke me when I pick that top button. And it does all the time. And then the neck fat falls out and you look like an idiot. Oh. So if somebody is going to say that there's a study and sooner or later we'll find out like, hey, yeah, it's really bad wearing a tie. Oh, that'll be great. I mean, if I still look good in a tie one day, if I can slim down, then that'll be different. But right now, I don't want to wear ties ever again. I look bad in them, and it, it makes me choke, and then I get razor burn. The other thing I was talking about, reading in the paper today that there's this new thing, although my friend Joe told me it was the old Atkins diet, the people that don't eat vegetables anymore, they only eat meat. They only eat bacon and steak, and they've been losing all this weight. Even Dr. Drew said he's been doing it. But then apparently I've heard it's an old diet, you know, like once you start. But, you know, you're not eating anything else. You're not eating carbs. You're not here. The basic they call it carnivory diet guidelines cut out all grains, vegetable oils, fruits, veggies and starches. Subsist only on protein, fattier cuts of red meat are preferred, but poultry, fish and pork are tolerated on occasion. I mean, they're serious about just meat. A little bit of high fat dairy is also okay. Pink Himalayan sea salt is the only condiment allowed. If you're craving dessert, opt for, you ready for this, shot of heavy cream or a spoonful of butter. I mean, this is insane. This is not right. This is one of those diets, no, don't, don't do that. I don't care, they say, I mean, how great is it to not eat vegetables? But you, I know this is Dr. Drew. You know, he's pretty cool, but he goes, I'll be goddamn if within three days I didn't feel unbelievable. Everybody's saying they feel unbelievable. But I, that just doesn't sound right, right? We're not supposed to eat beef every day. And the people that don't eat beef, I think there is a problem because, you know, I think humans were meant to, to eat beef. But I, it's not every day is a... I think the balance is the key. I think what the issue is is bread is an issue. I think if you can go without carbs, I think carbs is a thing. So I don't know. I mean, I'd like, you know, I've never really dieted before, but that's what I think is that if you're able to diet in general and follow a diet in the sense of whether it's just beef or whether it's just chicken or whatever it is that you're dieting or just vegetables. If you can stick to a diet, I think you can lose weight. I've never been able to stick to anything. I get very confused. I told you my lunch hours are very confusing. I don't know what to do because I want to take a full hour. And then what am I supposed to do during that full hour? If I could be with other people that wanted to lose weight, that would probably be helpful if there was like a support group. Uh, I would like to just either eat a salad or just a protein shake or something at lunch instead of a full meal. Because then the problem is also I come home and I don't have anything to do, so I just eat. I should skip one of the meals. I used to, and then eh, I just don't know. I'm a mess. I don't know what to do. But there's this other thing I wanted to tell you about. And it's about this this interesting story about uh, a Coney Island showman named Martin Coney. There's a new book that's coming out. It's called The Strange Case of Dr. Coney if that's how you pronounce it, how a mysterious European showman saved thousands of American babies. I found this interesting because this guy, Martin Coney, wasn't a doctor. He wasn't a doctor. And he was originally sent to display incubators 
to the Grand Industrial Exhibition of Berlin and stood next to them calling them child hatcheries. But he came to Coney Island with these incubators that are now obviously mandatory for premature births, but nobody knew what they were. And it was a Coney Island sideshow exhibit that this guy ran for 40 years. And you get ready for this? Saved seven up up to about between, they say, 6,500 and 7,000 lives. When people heard about it, and then, then the hospital said, we can't save your baby, they went to this guy who in every movie and TV show in The Wizard of Oz we've ever seen should be a shyster. But for some reason, this was the only guy who, who, who was for real. He wasn't even a doctor. But he goes, no, I'm telling you, these incubators, they really work. And, and it's crazy because he went to the hospitals and said, listen, I, I would actually, I mean, I'd like to sell these. Uh, what was it? He said, uh, he tried to sell and even donate the incubators to hospitals. But they wanted to have nothing to do with them. In 1940, before he was going to retire, he even offered, he said he can have them and nobody wanted them. He saved 7,000 kids. In 1939, he was approached by a 19-year-old woman who said she was one of the babies he saved. She went on to become a nurse. I I don't understand how this... I mean, I know back in the 1900s was a really shitty time, and it makes me so nervous that we all could have lived back then because it's like, wow, what a shitty time to, to live because everything sucked. You know, before cell phones and the internet, who wants to live? I mean, how many times when you were growing up, even in the 70s, were you thinking, like, when you're reading about George Washington, you're like, oh, my God, what do those people do for entertainment? That's got to suck. What would you do without TV? I've only grown up with TV. I can't even imagine what life would be without it. But our parents grew up on the radio, and they can't imagine what life was without that. So, of course, you live with what you don't know. But I just keep thinking about how much everything sucked. Like even those stupid shows were playing the stupid Sigmund and the Seamaster. I sat there and watched that show every day and it was the worst show I've ever seen. And I knew it was bad when I was watching, but there was nothing else on. Because I knew it was slow and boring. I'm like, they can't, they, they'd still have a guy in a suit. There's no special effects or anything they can do that can make this more exciting or, you know, some sort of plot twist. <laughs> I mean, everything sucked. I think I th- I believe everything sucked even, you know, when I was little. I'm a firm believer that I love technology. I love everything that we do now. There's just so much activity. And growing up, you know, in the 80s when I was living alone, I was so bored just watching TV. There were no good video games. They didn't have it down to a science now and man, it was lonely. No internet, no connecting to people. I'd like I I wouldn't mind starting over and seeing what it was like. I'm sure I'd still feel lonely somehow, but it's hard to feel lonely on a side. Well, now it's easy to feel lonely again because you have Instagram, so it looks like everybody's having the best time. But in between Instagram and the internet, it seemed like you could just connect to people and you didn't know what they were doing, but at least you could communicate and connect with people. Now it just looks like everybody's having the best time and you're not. So this is worse. But this guy, so he... He hired barkers to stand outside the exhibit and attract customers screaming slogans like, don't forget to see the babies. That was like the the sideshow exhibit. Don't forget to see the babies. And in 1922, 
he hired Archibald Leach to bark for him. Oh, you don't know who that is? In 1922, he hired this guy to work at Coney Island. I'm an advertising man, not a red herring. I've got a job, a secretary, a mother, two ex-wives, and several bartenders dependent upon me. And I don't intend to disappoint them all by getting myself slightly killed. God, don't you fucking love that? I wish I could remember that line every day. I have two ex-wives and a mother and, and bartenders who count on me. I mean, the bartender's part is probably true, but that's the only one I can... Well, a mother and a bartender, I just don't have the two ex-wives. Boy, if I could add those into the mix. i got to memorize this line. I'm an advertising man, not a red herring. Uh, yeah, I don't know how I'd open that, because I'm nothing. I've got a job, a secretary, a mother, two ex-wives, and several bartenders dependent upon me. Yeah, i got to remember that line. Anytime somebody says something to me, i just got to memorize that line. I've got a job, a mother, two ex-wives, and a bartender, and several bartenders that depend on me, and I'm not going to let them down. Come on and see the babies. <laughs> I'm doing it horribly, but... Oh, no, come and see the mother... I just did something foolish. I forgot Mother had a canister game tonight with her own cronies. I'm doing a horrible Cary Grant. Just give me a... I'm, I know it's turning into Michael Caine or something else, but I'm trying to work on it. But I just did something stupid. I told Mother that I was going to meet her at somewhere, and I forgot she had canister tonight with her own cronies. But I have tickets to the theater tonight. I'm trying to do more North by Northwest stuff. I'll have it prepared for next time. Can you imagine this guy? Go see the babies. Everybody see the babies before you leave. The babies at Cody Island are bugging about the babies. See the babies being saved by the incubator man. That, so that makes the story even more fascinating. That's probably why she wrote the book. Like, what, are you tell me Cary Grant was a barker for this incubator thing? Can you imagine nobody believed this guy? I don't understand how you can save... Where would they start believing him at... 40 babies? Don't you think people would be like, hey, maybe we should pay attention to this guy? I mean, how do you get to 7,000 babies and still none of the hospitals are like, nah, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about? How do you have the proof <laughs> of 7,000 kids who are saved by one guy who's not a doctor? As a matter of fact, they even say, in the 1904 St. Louis World's Fair, the World's Fair decided to low bid on one of the machines they didn't ask for Comey. They're like, oh, he's too expensive. And they got a fully licensed doctor. And this guy lost 39 out of 43 babies. This fully licensed doctor was a douchebag and didn't know how to work the machine properly. This guy for somehow got it. This was his thing. It's like something. It's like it's like, like we could all do this. Maybe we could all do brain surgery if that's all we knew how to do. Maybe all of us that aren't as smart as brain surgeons, like maybe we, if we just put a all of our efforts into brain surgery, we can do this one thing. You know what I'm saying? And this guy just kind of got, he figured it out and he just knew it and this is what he knew how to do. So this guy, after he found that about the guy in St. Louis, he published an open letter in the New York Evening Journal calling in the crime of the decade to this uh, guy who was a doctor and was a complete asshole. I can't believe he even tried to tell them and they wouldn't go in. So the guy died in 1950 at the age of 80 but he only closed down the exhibit seven years before he died, which means he was completely dedicated. He's like, well, I can't close down the exhibit. His wife is probably like, you know, you should retire. How can I retire? I'm saving, I'm saving babies. How did nobody else get onto this? And finally, in 1943, when he retired, Cornell Hospital opened the city's first dedicated premature infant station. 
it took 50 years for them to figure out that this guy had a plan. That's weird. I know they didn't have really good medicine back then, but it's kind of weird that to know that our parents were living in a time where they just didn't, they still didn't have good medicine, you know? I mean, it's, it's creepy. Of course, our parents also lived in a time where Hitler was around and he was killing all the Jews. I mean, it's weird. That's what you got to remember, that Hitler was in people we know. He was in the lifetime. It's not like we're talking about Napoleon or Lincoln, who we also have to remember Lincoln. You know, we know people that were born, you know, we remember people that were born in like our, some of our girls were born in the 1800s. It's only like 30 years removed from Lincoln. You know, it's all such a short period of time if you think about it. I always talk about this. That's why my John Adams show would be so good because it's only been a little over 200 years since we started the country. That's why this Donald Trump thing is, well, sooner or later we were going to get a maverick. Now with TV and all the kind of stuff, we see what's going on. Maybe Polk was like this. Who knows? James Polk, one of our presidents, might have been like this. Who knows? We don't know. There's letters and stuff. We don't know, you know, what people knew about him or anything. But if the country is so young. We've only, I mean, we only got here a couple of hundred years ago, and then we only made it official, you know, a little over 200 years ago. There's people that are 100. I you know, when you think about it like that, it's, it kind of makes sense that we're still trying to figure it out. So. That's that then, I guess. Um, boy, I wish I had some more. Some more. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about. I wish we had some more Cary Grant material. Maybe next time. We, just, we can just play that clip over and over. I have several buttons. I'm an advertising I'm man, an advertising a red herring. Man. I've got a job, a secretary, several a mother, two ex-wives, and several bartenders dependent upon they me. They depend upon and me. I don't intend to disappoint I them all by getting myself to... slightly killed. That's right. I don't intend to... Now, I I... now I'm turning into Michael Caine. And I don't intend... I have several bartenders that are counting on me to do a great show on my birthday. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I think I'm going to leave to this song today. I don't know why. Sometimes I think about it. Oh. I'm not leaving to friends. I can't do it. I don't want that song in my head. Hey, everybody. Well, listen, that's our show for tonight. Uh, the Nightfly. I hope you had a good time listening. I hope we uh, had a great time. You know, it's, uh, it's fun times. Uh, fun times ahead. The big birthday show, August 13th, out of the Comedy Cellar. Sarah Silverman, Judy Gold. Gary Goldman, Gilbert Gottfried. I mean, that is good. That's some show I put together if they all show up. It's going to be a phenomenal show. Believe me, if I could bring the legendary Wid back in this prop comedy, I mean, if they allowed him back in the building, I would totally do it. <laughs> but I don't even think they want the Wid wagon on 3rd Street. By the way, the Wid posted a picture that um, he took his first Uber the other day with all his props. It was hilarious. Plus, he also <laughs> he sent me a picture of... Uh, a stuffed uh, animal horse on his steering wheel. And he and I go, what is this? He goes, it's a one horsepower car. <laughs> and for me, it's so funny because, but for me, John, it's so funny because I really will walk around my house. Yesterday, I was walking around my house eating an ice cream bar. And I just said, one horsepower engine. 
I mean, I, I can't help it. The kid cracks me up. And he does. And he does do that. But, folks, listen. Next week, uh, I've got my pal Lawrence Lerman from Variety Magazine. He's gonna, we're going to be doing a show at his house remotely. Talk a little James Bond. Talk about a bunch of other stuff. And uh, let me tell you something. There is a revelation that I just completely forgot about that affects this show that is huge. I'm not going to spoil it for you this weekend, but we talked a little bit about it during the program. What's it going to be? You'll find out. We'll talk about it all in the weeks to come. On the Nightfly Summer Edition, which is all over the place, uh, in the next few weeks. But remember, August thirteenth, the big day. I think we'll have a. Well, we have a pod. No, we might not have a podcast before, but we will certainly have one after to break it all down, as we also do and always do on the Nightfly, the greatest podcast on the planet, and you guys all know it. I will see you next time. Have a wonderful month of August, the birthday month. As we wind down this horrible rainy summer and uh, start the fall, huh? football season, everything's coming together. Everybody loves the fall. Oh my God, best season ever. But anyway, that's all in the coming months of the Nightfly. Good night, everybody. We'll see you next time on the podcast.